Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm your host, Mary Catherine Ham. He's my co-host, Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon, and we are your morning show for any hour. There's a lot going on in the world today. Obviously, we have Israel updates. Uh, Biden had something to say about uh, the Israeli offensive uh, yesterday that we will talk about. An Iowa poll that we didn't cover that I want to get to, plus Virginia State legislature hangs in the balance next week so we'll talk a little bit about that and some really big covid now it can be told plus vic's gonna chime in on which restaurants you're allowed to take your gal to on a first date so i know you guys want to hear that but before that how's it going vic hello mary Catherine. uh doing just fine got through halloween with the sad realization that my kids basically don't do halloween anymore oh that is that well my daughter she is basically she's the last one to age out and she said you know when she goes to high school yeah, high school kids, they go to parties. They, yes. they don't go. So she did go. So she seemed a little too old to go. She went with some younger friends from across the street. So that's okay. And okay. She, so she collected a nice I'm amount. okay. There's a, I know there's a debate about this. I'm okay with older kids trick-or-treating as long as they have some semblance of a yes. costume on. Yes. I'm fine with it. There was a kid who was a little bit on the older sign, aside, but he showed up in a costume that was those inflatable from the car dealership Cute, figures. I like it. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. And he was funny. Give that kid a candy. Obviously, okay. yes. But, and they're not out making trouble, you know? No, no. This is no, no mischief night. No mischief <laughs> night. So I, but I walked into the TV room later that night because we do the block pod and we had tables out and the cones and I'm just putting everything back. I walk into the TV room. It's late. And, you know, my dad is visiting and uh, he's there with my son watching Halloween H20. And, you know, he has to pass the tradition of inappropriately, yes, yes. And uh, inappropriate it, movies. It reminded along. me of when I was a kid. Of course, I was eight, uh, watching you know Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Dracula starring Fra- Frank Langella, which was a frightening one. But Halloween H twenty is interesting. Everyone is still young in that one. Jamie Lee Curtis still looks young in that. Josh Hartnett is in that. LL oh, Cool J. Hartnett, he was the LL Cool J for is in just that. a minute. Yeah, Josh Hart. There was a Josh Hartnett moment, and uh, he was there as her son, and my son has now picked up, so he, he he's totally into the Halloween series and Michael mm-hmm. Myers, and he's picked up on this sort of the realization that the people who get killed by Michael Myers are usually up to no good, or they're fooling around. And if you fool you around- watch out. You fool, it's the price you pay in these movies. Friday the 13th is the same way. Um, you fool around, you're gonna pay a price. Mm-hmm. You, get, you get sliced and diced, so that was funny. And I did want to note very briefly from our last episode, Changing Gears, so to speak, how I had to hold it, if you will, mm. driving from Virginia all the way to middle of New Jersey. A turnpike. harrowing tale. People related to this. I think some of them have been through this. And a, a, a listener tweeted, and I'm, I apologize, I, I forgot his name, so I don't have it here in front of me. But said when I was talking about the right stuff and the test about how long you can hold it, I felt like an astronaut. He said, "No, you were really like the other astronaut in the diaper." And that was a story. And I forget her name. She was a she was an astronaut, yes. and she went crazy, and she was traveling driving across country, like right. four hundred miles or something yeah. at least. And in order, because she didn't want to make any stops, and she was a mess, so to speak, uh, she wore a diaper. Yeah. So he said I was more like that, and I thought to myself, you know, could have used it. Well, you know what's the upside of having two young children is that I have diapers in my car all the time. Okay. <laughs> Just grab one. Yeah, what did fit me? Uh, in any event, thank you very much, everyone, for your insights. Mary Catherine, how are you? Uh, I'm good. So we we did Halloween. Yes, love the, the outfits. Thank you. We our Spider Verse came together quite nicely. I even got pictures of most of the children looking civilized. You got everybody, including the dog. Looking askance, oh, like well, the distance do- was like he was posing. The dog is extremely well behaved. You know, this is the dog with the spider legs. He's not the problem, okay? But actually, everybody was was on their p's and q's. Yeah. The toddler was constrained, so that yeah, was part okay. of the yeah. that was the part of the strategy for this costume is yeah. that we could have the toddler strapped mm-hmm. to Peter Parker, yes. who was Peter B. Parker, who was Steve. And then we could actually get her in a photo instead of just screaming and running like she normally does. So she behaved quite well. And then the baby sat nicely with his hat on, which was a Peter Porker hat with a little homemade 
pig nose on the like front. It looked like Peter Porker. I mean, the 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 the, the old little honker I, there. I yeah. I spent good time on that one, and and he kept it on his head for long enough to get pictures. So I was going to say, and he looked content enough, like he looked like plopped down there. Yes, he was happy. I was surprised how happy he was. So good job, everyone. Wonderful. Well done, everyone. And we had friends over. We fed about ten children at the house, and then went off to trick-or-treat wow even the toddler trick-or-treated and she she gamely marched upstairs and people i think she was making people nervous because she is quite young but she's very athletic so i don't worry about her i just told her sisters like you know just watch her coming down the stairs but she'll be fine but she was very excited about trick-or-treating my goodness and at the end of the night she went to bed and insisted on having her little orange pumpkin with her in the crib so we went ahead and allowed that and now she's napping with it in there right now okay is it a real orange pumpkin what do you know it's like you know like an 80s plastic pumpkin oh, that, good. that yeah <laughs> but you just say the pumpkin i'm thinking <laughs> so well i'm gonna let, i sleep with a gourd i'm gonna let yes. it rot in there all right that's okay like, they, they last for until a while the squirrels yeah it starts living in her crib making holes in there yeah yes. okay no right. so she's got her little 80s oh, plastic yes. pumpkin 80s with her plastic pumpkin in yes. her okay. crib so that's a real that's a real third and fourth kid move by mom right like i'm sure on my first kid i would have been like oh Something frightening could happen, but I inspected the thing. There's nothing, there are no parts to the. She can't get her head in it. <laughs> her head is too big for that, okay. I'm quite certain. Yeah. So that was our Halloween. And how are you feeling? You know, I'm okay, Vic. I drank, I made a mistake of drinking red wine last night. Okay, how is that a mistake? In terms of volume? Or no, do you no, think no. in it terms was, of it, quality? Okay, or is so it you? It think, I think I'm the problem. Oh, it's me. Hi. I'm the problem with red wine. All right. The two of us do not play well together anymore. Okay, this is a. I think this is part of aging. It's just a thing I must deal with. I used to drink a lot of red wine before I had kids. When I had kids, they changed my taste buds, and I don't enjoy red wine as much as I used to. So that's the first thing. The kids change really. Oh yeah, like a metabolic thing going on. Pregnant not pregnancy changes all sorts of stuff. Uh, yeah. My my third pregnancy made me not uh, motion sick in the car anymore, so I can read in the car oh. now. It's weird. Plus, anyway, it's, my, it's like superpowers of Some sorts. scientist is going to flag this and be like, that is not this a thing. Is none of this is. <laughs> this is my anecdote. This is my lived truth. Yeah. Okay? So, I don't drink as much as I did pre-kids, yeah. but I enjoy it occasionally. Mm-hmm. And I also have this, I have this like memory in my head of how much I used to enjoy it. And I always think it's going to be fun again. Right. And I don't enjoy it that much. And the price that I pay is great. No matter how, like we're talking very small amounts of red wine, and the next day I just am dehydrated and gross feeling. Some people will say it's the tannins. Say, oh, it's the tannins. That's what I've heard. Ma- I don't Maurice know. Canbar, who went on to invent, he had the, he, he invented the defuzzit sweater lip removal device, and supposedly the multiplex. He also invented Sky Vodka. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay that's so one, one of the right, reasons that he came up with this, he said, because he went to his doctor and complained about having these headaches. Mm-hmm. And the doctor said it was something, if it wasn't tannins, it was congeners, anything, but various impurities. And so it was, it was in the, he claims it was the red wine. Okay. And that's why he switched spirit to spirits into a clear spirit. I mean, like honestly, vodka. that's going to have to be my holiday plan. I don't, I don't I can't know. Do this. I, have you thought about like just once testing, like finding a really good wine? What is that wine that we had once? Peter David Ar- Arthur. David Arthur. Like, that would be a good test to say, drink it so, and no, say, hey. I do think. I, that I can still smell Yes, it. I do think qual- the quality of the wine matters. Not yeah. that this was terrible wine. I was just at an event and it was at the Willard. So I'm sure it was decent at, at, at the hotel or at the bar? At the bar. At the Round Robin. At Above the Round Robin. There's a place oh, called yeah. The Nest. Oh, the Robin's Nest. Is yes. that what they call it? I yeah. get confused. So okay. I was up I was up there and I assumed that that was fairly decent wine. But again, this is, this is on me. Mm. I know this is going to happen. When I have even one glass of red wine. But when I was in Italy, we were drinking red wine that was from the yes. vineyard that we were Which is not long on, ago. And that treated me fine. So maybe it is something to do with... I think it's the wine. It's not you. Keep drinking. So, so now the requirement is just I have extremely expensive taste yes. in wine. Then that's, that's right. all I'm allowed to drink. No, I mean, you know, when, when I was in college, you know, you, you sort of had no qualms about drinking Bush Light because that's the beer. This I would true. never do it now. I this would be repulsed by Bush Light. <laughs> well, except for our taste test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. I barely remember any Speaking of that. Speaking of which, we're, we're due for another one. Before we're out of oh, fall, what, 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 we should do a pumpkin is... themed or something. It's probably gonna Because be... there's probably so many different kinds of pumpkin. 
Yeah. I no, mean, while you're true. still pre-diabetic, we got to we got to yes, get these right, things in. Get that in there while I still have my before before my legs get amputated. Yes. Yes. Oh goodness gracious. Okay, should we go to the to the news? Let's huh? do it. All right. Feeling like a million bucks. All right. Let's talk about. We got to do the the war update because yeah. it just is most of the news right now. So Israel has begun its ground and incursion. There was a a little bit, well, not a little bit. A, there's another contretemps about yeah. yet another strike inside Gaza. Refugee. So Israel bombed the densely populated Jabalia. Is that right? Refugee camp in northern Gaza for the second time in two days Wednesday, prompting. Warnings of war crimes as more nations took diplomatic measures and condemned Israel's offensive in the besieged enclave. Okay. That's a CNN take on this. Right. Because the UN Human Rights Council actually issued, maybe it was a tweet or a statement saying it could constitute a war. A war. They, they're going to charge Israel with the war crime. Right. The yeah. Human Rights Council that Iran yeah, is in charge yeah, of sure. is like has, okay. a, has a spot on that. Okay. So it is. let's be clear. It is a war crime to hide your terrorism and military targets behind right. camps full of civilians. Yeah. That is a war crime. Sending rockets daily into Israel with no military targets, all intended for civilians. Right. Those are war crimes. Intentionally into population. It zones. is a legit target to go after a Hamas leader who is in these tunnels that are under this area. And unfortunately, because they've built this ant farm yeah. under Gaza, this very small piece of land, right. there are vulnerabilities. So if they are hit, there's collateral damage because they have gathered mm -hmm. civilians around them. And two, there's collateral damage because structurally many places are not sound if they yeah. have a bunch of tunnels underneath them. So yeah. some tunnel, this collapsed and tragically people who are not combatants yeah. died that way. Right. It's dark and bad. Shouldn't we be more focused on blaming Hamas no, for no, no. their use of innocent men, women, and children as human shields? Now, Angelina Jolie says that Hamas oh. terrorist attacks cannot justify the innocent lives lost in bombing in Gaza. Can we hear a little bit of the There's a Israeli Defense Force spokesperson yeah. who has a bit to say about exactly what this area yeah, is. Yeah, please. Well... It's important to understand that this is a live combat zone. Jabalia is a Hamas stronghold. If you remember the days of uh, the war in Iraq, think about Ramadi, think about uh, Anbar province, think about really hotbeds of terrorist activity where terrorists have had a long time to embed themselves within the area and under the civilians. That is Jabalia, okay? That's the best equivalent that I could uh, give as an example. Our troops are both on the ground, and of course, we continue to operate from the air as well. The aim is very clear and very simple, to get the civilians out and to strike Hamas, its commanders, and its military infrastructure. And I want to emphasize, we have been calling on civilians in that specific area to evacuate for two weeks. Nobody can claim that they didn't know this was coming. Hamas wants this to happen. Yes. It helps drive their recruitment. And the idea that they're going to hide among the innocent women and children is, for some reason, is not being called out as just no, absolutely I mean, it cowardly. No, I mean, it is. The, the standard is mm -hmm. completely different yeah. for Israel versus Hamas. Israel is the only nation in the world called upon to to run a completely pristine war effort right yeah, no right. no civilized nation yeah. is required to do that right. and israel should not be either even though we mourn these terrible deaths right. again putting people in harm's way is itself a crime yeah that hamas is guilty of the other thing is those who call for a ceasefire again i'm not sure that they fully understand the implications of that but you will have more civilian death if you reward surrounding one's military targets mm. with civilians in order to make oneself immune from counterattacks, yeah. yeah. right? So part of Israel's aim is to end this tactic by taking out Hamas yeah. and not allowing this tactic to stop them. 
they can therefore tell everyone, maybe you shouldn't hide behind your civilians anymore. That is a bad That's idea. That's right. It is Israel's attempt to end the cycle of violence versus the traditional idea of ending the cycle of violence. It's, oh, wait a minute. They just killed fourteen or 1,500 of your people and taken hundreds you know, captive and as hostages. Please, don't retaliate. That will only contribute to the cycle of violence. So just allow yourself to be killed. I'm not yeah, well, sure. And, and then when and, you're all dead, then the cycle of violence ends. Right. That is when it ends. And by the way, a Hamas leader was on Arab That's media right. saying exactly this. Ghazi Hamad. This is, yes, Ghazi Hamad talking to a news anchor. And he says very explicitly, we must teach Israel a lesson and we will do this again and again. The Al-Aqsa flood is just the first time and there will be a second, a third, a fourth. And we'll keep because we have the determination, the resolve, and the capabilities to fight. And he says they will just keep doing this until Israel doesn't exist. Because that is what they're about. And it's they're very clear about it. In their charter, and for some reason, the world was okay with that until now. And even now, they seem to be sort of okay with it. And they really don't have a problem leaving Hamas in charge of Gaza. Okay, you made your point. It's time to stop. And, the horrible, and, well, and just you know, wait for them to build up enough arms to, again, attack. Uh, until there's right, of course. Uh, again, again, we're talking about the worst attack against uh, the Jewish people since the since Holocaust, the... Um, and there, he's not making any bones about it. And the other thing that's interesting is there are some people who immediately came to deny what Hamas did on October seven in terms of the level of the barbarity, sort of the medieval yes. nature of it, just the awfulness of what they did to innocent men, women, and children. Right in these kibbutzim, this fellow Ghazi Hamad is like, nope, you know. All bets are off. We're doing it and we're going to do it again. And it's worth, again, remembering that October 7, the attack happened. October 8, there were rallies and celebrations, not complaints and, and protests uh, and demands for, you know, to, for Israel to stop the siege or retaliation. But like, yes, they broke, quote unquote, broke out of that prison. And now they know how it feels to be free by killing people. And I think Hamad even I'm mentioned sure the concert. I'm sure they'll observe a ceasefire. I'm yeah, sure they'll observe That's it. right. Uh, I think Hamad even mentioned the, the, the concert and they were in the way. But what they did, it reminds me of, it's it's a similar sort of reasoning that, and we talked about this, I think, about the Dresden defense before, but in this case, talking about the Bataan death march and how a lot of the officers in World War II and the atrocities that Japanese committed against Americans and Filipinos, the officers said that they just, they, the situation got out of control. There was no directive for them to do these things. And he seems to be hinting at the situation might have not been completely mm -hmm. controlled, but they all enjoyed having this, seeing what happened. Well, I do think There's no that's, question. that's a part of the story, right? Is that in these videos that I've seen snippets of and I don't really wish to see no. large parts of them, no. this was a thing they were enjoying doing. Yeah. This was not a, yeah. this is not some yeah. accidental thing. It's not, it is something they relished yeah. while it was happening, which is just a frightening idea. Did you see that President Biden went to Minnesota this okay. week and called for a, quote, humanitarian pause? Yes, again, and, and, and many of our, our friends on our side have pointed out similar examples, such as, you know, after, you know, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor and we were going to go against Japan, we wanted to make sure that there was yeah, you gotta, humanitarian, you gotta pause. you know, you know, assistance and, and fuel. Make sure they have fuel and Internet, because that's a big complaint, of course, is that there's no Internet in Gaza. Well, so. again, you are not required to provide utilities to the neighbor that is trying this is not to how, murder you. This, that is, is, it's, this is why it's called war. By the way, when you mentioned uh, Angelina Jolie, mm -hmm. I was reminded of an old Onion headline that says, U.S. invades Iraq despite the protests of Sheryl Crow. It's, <laughs> it's a real thing effect. that happened. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the AP reports, reports that this call for a pause was a subtle departure for Biden and top White House aides who throughout the Mideast crisis have been steadfast in stating they will not dictate how the Israelis carry out their military operations in response to the October seventh attack by Hamas. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call that a subtle departure. It seems like a large departure. It is, me. and and people talk about the last time the U.S. supported Israel in its major, you know, intervention into Gaza and how long it lasted until the U.S. started to say, "Okay, you need to dial it back." And it was about thirty-two days. This Tuesday will be a month. Okay, so we're reaching that point. There's pressure, and I don't know if you're going in this direction. I feel like the Biden administration is feeling like they need to shore up their support among. So, yes, I think some of this Americans. is likely a political move. Minnesota, Michigan, places where there right. are large populations of Muslim and Arab right. voters who often back the Democratic Party. 
many of them have been quite vocal that they're mad at him about this. And so I think there is a desire to shore up some of that, which is expressed in this new initiative that the White House has put together. Because I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of there's a lot of hate crimes going on. And so they want to take care of that. Oh, thank goodness. With a, Finally. With a, with, a, with a national sort of task force yeah. situation to Wonderful. deal with Islamophobia. Oh, yeah. oh, I didn't know you were going to go there. Yeah. That's okay. Actually, I did, but I'm just playing it up. That's I'm good. playing it up for the cameras. He's, yeah. he's committed to the bit. Uh, let's hear a bit, of, a bit of Kamala, who they put in charge of this, which means it'll get done. We're, we're on our way to success, folks. For years, Muslims in America and those perceived to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate number of hate-fueled attacks. As a result of the Hamas terrorist attack in Israel and the humanitarian crisis in Gaza, we have seen an uptick in anti-Palestinian, anti-Arab, anti-Semitic, and Islamophobic incidents across America, including the brutal attack of a Palestinian-American woman who is Muslim and the killing of her six-year-old son. A senseless act of violence that the Department of Justice is investigating as a hate crime. For so many people in our nation, the past few days and weeks have brought about all too familiar fears. Fears that they will be targeted, profiled, or attacked simply because of who they are, how they worship, or how they look. And so today, I am proud to announce the Biden-Harris administration will develop our nation's first national strategy to counter Islamophobia. This strategy will be a comprehensive and detailed plan to protect Muslims and those perceived to be Muslim from hate, bigotry, and violence, and to address the concern that some government policies may discriminate against Muslims. For example, the so-called Muslim ban, which President Biden revoked on our first day in office. So here's the bottom line. In America, no one should be made to fight hate alone. And in this moment, then, let us all clearly say, a harm against any one of us is a harm against all of us. Like she, she squeezes anti-Semitic in there. She did, and she right? did mention that there was a previous national strategy to combat anti-Semitism. So, yeah. you know, that was already in place, which is why uh, it's only increased by 400% well, the hate crimes against Jews. And can I, can I just be frank about the fact that some of the fighting anti-Semitism from the left, uh, you'll notice that the five-year anniversary of the Tree of Life synagogue shooting oh was widely noticed on the left and, and commemorated by sure. Ilhan Omar, yeah. Omar in ways that they did not address, for instance, the terrorists killing 1,500 uh, Jews in Israel. Um, and that is because the villain is politically convenient. Yeah. As long as it's a white nationalist, oh, yeah. then that makes everyone comfortable on the no. left denouncing them. They're probably... Trump voters or something, right. right? Like that's the that's the easy yeah. way. Denouncing your own side's right. problems with this yeah. is much more uncomfortable, and they don't want to do it. Speaking of which, did you see this Vice headline? I'm going to throw this one at you. Okay, Just, what you got? This is Vice News. Neo Nazis and the far right are trying to hijack pro Palestine protests. Neo-Nazis are showing up at protests in an attempt to push anti-Jewish conspiracy theories Ooh. and tropes into the mainstream. Let me just read a little bit of this because it's amazing. Yeah, that's the problem, guys. Wow. The white nationalists are hijacking the message. Yeah, it's not that otherwise like, the message was peaceful. Around 40 people affiliated with the National Justice Party, a white nationalist and anti-Semitic group, gathered in front of the White House to protest Israel last weekend. The group was led by Mike Pinovich, a longtime white nationalist personality who previously used the alias Mike Enoch and was one of the architects of the deadly 2017 Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Israel, quote, is a pure genocidal state. Make no mistake, he told rally attendees over a PA system. We Americans have been snookered into supporting Israel by Jewish control of our banks, our media and our politicians. But we have to say enough and rise up as a people. Their small demonstration was dwarfed by the hundred strong protests that flooded the streets of Washington, D.C. But his rhetoric is an example of how far-right anti-Semites are trying to use the pro-Palestinian movement, mm -hmm. hijack some of its language, criticizing the Israeli government's actions in Gaza, and then use that as a vehicle to push anti-Jewish conspiracy theories and tropes into the mainstream. The neo-Nazis are, are 
so the Jew haters are are hijacking these more academic. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 elite no, 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 no. Okay. Jew haters. Mm-hmm. Is that Th- that's, that's right. what's happening? That's right. Because what these neo-Nazi far right-wing white supremacists are mm-hmm. saying is that Israel is committing this genocide against right. Palestinians. What the people on the left are saying is that Israel is committing this genocide against the Palestinians. Also, it's very different. Yes, you know, it's one thing to say they want to kill all the Jews, but it's different to say from the river to the sea, Palestine mm-hmm. will be free. You see, it's it's the new. new so here's a here's a GW wow uh, GW professor who uh, runs a program on extremism. Presumably, he's looking into the students mm-hmm. who were projecting glory to the martyrs on the side of a building at George Washington University, or maybe not. Maybe he's not. His quote is. They're not pro-Palestine. He's talking about the white nationalists. They just hate Jews. And they see this moment as an opportunity to get attention, get coverage, put their banners, their images, their ideas into reporting patterns. Nine of 10 of them would probably happily commit a hate crime. Versus the, Versus uh, the people who are, you know, by the way, very, especially in Gaza, they're very accepting of gays and lesbians, LGBTQ. My, 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 yeah. my, my. Also, I just love when it's when it's the left doing unsavory things. And there are unsavory people involved and and bad messages. There's this media attempt to very surgically dissect who is who. And these are the good people who believe this thing. And then there's these icky people who believe the Jews are in control of the media and and genociding people. They like to forget the past. And the fact is that Hitler was, you know, had made common cause with a number of these Arab nationalist types who, who were also, they had, they, they were on common bedfellows. They shared the same enemy, which was the Jews. And there were terrible massacres against the Jews even before there was an Israel, right, in the 1920s. So- Yeah, this isn't a new thing. This isn't a new thing. You, there's actually footage of like Hitler meeting with these Arab leaders, you know, at Berchtesgaden or wherever. You know what I mean? It's, 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 the, it's real. So. Shall we check in with FBI head- Christopher Ray sure. about the sort of statistical distribution of hate crimes. I'd like to hear from him. There's a threat that is uh, reaching in some ways sort of historic levels, um, in part because, uh, as you know all too well, the Jewish community uh, is targeted by terrorists really across the spectrum. Homegrown violent extremists, foreign terrorist organizations, both Sunni and Shia, domestic violent extremists, uh, and in fact, our statistics would indicate that for a group that represents only about 2.4% of the American public, they account for something like 60% of all religious-based hate crimes. Um, Again, that's a large majority right there. And the ADL will say that it's close to 400% increase in anti-Semitic crimes, which is why we have this national strategy. Well, and by the way, None of acknowledging the anti-Semitism requires that you ignore the idea that no, there might be hate crimes against course. other people. But at this particular time, really? this is quite obviously the large yeah. threat. Now, there is the one terrible, terrible crime perpetrated against that mom and her six-year-old son. The six-year-old son was killed and she was Awful. attacked yeah. by a neighbor. It is being prosecuted as a hate, hate crime. It was 100% denounced in all corners yeah. by all people, yeah. aside from like you know some online psychopaths, I'm sure. There's always a few. But that does not make anti-Semitism not the subject we should be addressing right, right. now. Right. Well, when I think about Islamophobia, I was thinking about all those people who are tearing down those missing posters mm-hmm. for Israeli women, men, children, and how mean the people are yelling at them about taking down the it posters. It is really mean. That's why. Yeah. yeah. We shouldn't shame them. So this is a, speaking of shaming people, some of the largest law firms in the country have come oh, together- yeah with a message for the deans of law schools that are tolerating anti-Semitic activities conducted by students saying, if you want your graduates to get good jobs from our law firms, like maybe stop doing the producing of the anti-Semites, yeah. the open anti-Semitism. Yeah. So this is like Aiken Gump Strauss, a bunch of big ones. The who's who yeah. has, has some concerns with this. Again, when like I, do, I am concerned about cancel culture, as I have always been, right? But one of the things that is pretty out there is if you are, say, I don't know, projecting glory to our martyrs onto the side of an academic building at George Washington University, which is a thing that happened, and you are glorifying the wanton murder of civilians, then, yeah, that rhetoric seems like out there enough that there might be consequences for that. Rationally, that might occur to you. And perhaps since it hasn't occurred to them, now it will occur to them. Well, I think that the pushback is going to be that, you know, students are entitled to their, you know, opinions and defending free speech. 
even if you happen to like a terrorists, and that would be wrong for them to deny these people a job. The other thing is, of course, they can just always say, well, you know, most of those law firms are run by Jews, so let's not, you can just- They dis- control dis- Yeah, they, Yeah, they, you can discount that. But the question is why, right? Why, why, why is this happening? And again, it goes back to the administrators, which now in many colleges outnumber either the students or the faculty. They let these people in. They hired these people who- That's been a 30-year project, yeah, right? The idea yeah. that they're, you know, they're, they want a free Palestine comes with this other idea of another country being you know, eliminated from the map. And so it's cowardice. It's not to say at this point that they may not be anti-Semites themselves, but and that's probably changed now because, again, they've, allowed, they've hired all these people. Right. And kids, I can't imagine them growing up harboring this kind of ill will towards Jews, but certainly if you're taking these classes, and in some places, you know, they're giving it away as extra credit. Oh, know? yeah. I mean, really. By the way, this this letter from the law firms rightly notes not just speech, which is one thing, right? And I would argue that these universities are failing on the free speech front as well, because what they are allowing is far outside of the free expression bubble, yeah. which is anti-Semitic harassment, vandalism. Assaults on assaults on college campuses. Those things aren't just free expression. And when you don't punish students for engaging in those things, you endanger the speech of everyone on campus. Yeah. But particularly those who are hard targeted. There was a video, a horrifying video, of a, a Jewish student wearing a kippah walking down a sidewalk, I believe at Harvard, yeah. and he's boxed in by pro-Palestine marchers, protesters, mm-hmm. and being bodily moved around and sort of detained. Yeah, and trapped. It is a it's no, a it's physical like assault. He's, he's being tu- are, he's being like, touched. He's being detained. It's a bad bad scene. They're, they're acting like brown shirt thugs, and of course they're accusing him of being the, the, the Jewish kid of being the Nazi. You know, right, right. It's, right. It's, he's it's, the problem. It's sick. Yeah, he's the problem. Um, we didn't get a chance to mention the hospital. There was a development. You oh sent yes, thank you. That hospital. My, my face was this blank a good, for a moment. This is a good update. So this is this is very interesting. This is Gerald Beer writing. Oh yeah, yeah. So he. He tracked down just, you guys remember the hospital bombing, which became mm-hmm. international news very quickly. Everyone ran with Hamas's stats for hundreds yeah. killed. This entire hospital's flattened. Israel did the strike. None of those things right. were true. The strike came from the Palestinian a, a, Islamic Jihad, a, a terrorist group inside Gaza. It was mistakenly fired into this parking lot adjacent to a hospital. There were people tragically killed who were not part of the conflict or civilians, but it was not in the hundreds and the hospital was not flattened. But everyone ran with Hamas's messaging on this. Gerald looked at a press conference the day after. The day after. Which was available to press, streamed on Facebook. The Anglican Archbishop Hassam Naum commented at this press conference they're the guys who run this hospital so they have information from on the ground all the things that the press tells you we don't have access to right like actual verification and his his remarks on this did not include a total casualty number but said two of our employees were injured at the hospital that is a very a very very different picture than the one the press painted he also noted infrastructure and structural damage to the hospital, but certainly not a flattened hospital. And it turns out, wouldn't you know it, press quoted him from that press conference, but not the part about the two injured employees, which would seem to be important to the story. Possibly deliberate. Do you remember, I think it was CNN's disinformation expert, might have been Ben Collins? I think it was Ben Collins, he's NBC. He's NBC, excuse me for that, who tweeted out immediately, a hospital. That's what she said, a hospital. And Uh, then, you know, doctors. Patients. That's what they went after. Yeah. Intentionally. So now we know that there was a press conference immediately after where one could one could test these ideas. It is always amazing, by the way, how Hamas comes up with the precise number of casualties immediately. Israel is still trying to, I mean, literally piece together casualties from October seven. But boom, they met. Here's the list. By the way, that is that is a thing I think should be reported with an asterisk or an explanation every single time when look, I think it's useful to have some kind of figure out of Gaza for what's happening on the ground, mm-hmm. but because it's not terribly verifiable and or that press isn't willing to go where they must to try to verify mm-hmm. things, as in the case of this press conference, because they don't want to, I don't know, it should be reported that that is Hamas's number yeah. of civilians yeah. 
killed because yeah. Hamas is a terrorist group, yeah, and we the, should take that into the consideration. The health ministry is the Gazan yes. health ministry, Hamas. Okay. Just, just, just like weigh your sources, guys, including us. We're yeah, always, but we're that's a, true. We kind of get a little uh, carried very, away. We're sometimes. very trustworthy, guys. Okay. <laughs> we just said two opposite things here. Okay. <laughs> that's why people that's, can trust us, yeah, you know? Right. I don't know where we are. It's balanced. Where are we on that Between chart? untrustworthy and trustworthy. Yeah, okay. Somewhere in there. <laughs> moderately right and moderately reliable. That's right. That's right. Thank you. Let's talk about this Iowa poll okay. that we didn't talk about yes. last week. So Interesting. This is the Selzer poll, which is, Ann Selzer is a, a yes. long time Iowa expert, sure. alum, pollster, really pretty good, stuff. highly trusted on these matters. So this is the Des Moines Register story on a poll recently. Support for Nikki Haley has swelled in Iowa. The former United Nations ambassador has pulled even with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in what has become a heated battle for second place in the first in the nation caucus state. But former President Donald Trump still dominates the race. He's ahead by 27 percentage points, a lead that has expanded slightly despite his mounting legal problems. Pence dropped out, as we noted. DeSantis and Haley, who for a long time have looked like the mm -hmm. logical yeah. alternatives, are now tied, which can't make DeSantis feel great because I think he's all in on Iowa. And for Haley, I would say things get easier past Iowa for her than for him. Yeah, once you can get closer to South Carolina. And well, and New Hampshire that, is likely Hampshire. more her kind of voter, right? Yeah. It, yeah, this is great news for Haley. This is not great news for DeSantis. The money crunch continues. You know, he had people who promised to work miracles here, and even though it's not him, you know, reliance on this super PAC. He's not going to go immediately. I think the next one who's in trouble, not counting Asa Hutchinson or Doug Burgum, yeah. the uh, next real big name is probably Tim Scott. Right. Because there can only be one from South Carolina. But then after that, I think there'll be some expectation that if, if DeSantis doesn't have any more traction and he's a great governor and it's a shame, then he may have to bow out. And then you will see consolidation if he feels strongly enough about Trump and he's willing to then and the other candidates are willing to all get behind Nikki Haley, then we might have something. We shall see. What do you think? I, don't, I, I Honestly, I think these two are in a strong enough position that certainly through Iowa, and I yep. think beyond, they're both sticking with it because unless someone is a distant last yep. place, you can make an argument, well, I was close to second or I was a surprisingly strong finish in Iowa. I just don't see them unless they're... I will be looking forward to if if DeSantis ends up not yeah. pulling this off. Yeah, and by pulling this off, do you mean a first place? Nomination. Yeah, getting the nomination. Oh, okay. okay. Getting yeah. the nomination. He has to drop out of the race. Right. That's right. Even before, like, I mean, we're not even at Iowa yet. Yes. But if he has enough pro mounting problems and he has to get out of the race, I'm really looking forward to the postmortems on this from the inside to figure out how and why this, how did this go wrong? Because you right. would think that there's so many things that happened that, and I, this is why he ran in the first place, because right. he had such a stellar record when it came to COVID and standing up to the COVID bullies and, and, and everything else. And yet. That differentiates him from Trump in very important right. ways. So by the way, I'll just round out the field here. Scott is at 7% down from 9. Chris Christie's at 4, down from 5. Mm -hmm. Vivek held steady at 4, but apparently his, his negatives have gone up yeah. quite a bit. He's tried to be nicer, but yes. too little too late. DeSantis remains, I believe, the most, other than Trump, the, I, I actually perhaps including Trump, the the popular, can't, like his yes. favorables are quite good. So oh, he's he good. remains on yeah, solid ground sure. in that in that way. But yeah, things are... My advice, if, if, if Vivek is listening, because, you know, he could be listening mm -hmm. to Getting Hammered, my advice, more burpees. That'll do it. Right? Yeah. That'll do it. All right. Oh, I have a little bit of... We should do a quick Virginia primer, oh, okay. I feel like. Sure. Is it primer or primer? primer? Depends. I believe... I, I would say primer, like the paint, but primer, <laughs> like in the movie Contact. Sorry. <laughs> okay. At any rate. Anyway. That, so, again, we, I, we in Virginia, with, yeah. in Virginia, which we do focus on partly because we live here, but also it's, it's the only big real race. I mean, a, there's a couple of other initiatives, but in the country. Yes. When we're in a drought and there is no election going on. It's an off on, year. It's an off year. Virginia is where they're happening. So given that, the entire 140 Senate yeah, and House seats up. in Virginia are up for election this election day. Glenn Youngkin, Republican, is the... Governor, he cannot run for re-election, so this amounts to his midterm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And if 
Republicans were to do well would give him the power to enact far more of his agenda in the next couple of years. Not to mention prospects done. for higher office. Yes, that as well. So I'm actually writing about this for foxnews.com. You can check it out there. But but I was on the trail this weekend and yesterday mm -hmm. with Juan Pablo Segura. Oh, he's great. Who is yeah. uh, running in a very p competitive a little bit west of here, yep. uh, Loudoun County, which yep. you guys will remember from the education yep. fights. And it's a bit of a, I feel like a microcosm for right. the things Republicans must do to succeed. So for instance, Yunkin is a popular, competent messenger. Right. He facing the threat of Democrats going all in on abortion messaging. All the ads are about abortion, by the way. All of them. Yep. I mean, it like voters still, voters rank Inflation and economy is their top issue, right. but Democratic messaging is almost entirely mm. abortion. Which works in like Arlington, by the way. Yes. No, and there's there's no doubt that there are places that that might yeah. work. What Youngkin has done to me that's interesting is he's trying to correct a couple of the mis obvious mistakes that Republicans made in 2022. And one of them is on abortion, which he came down on a 15-week right. limitation, which is a middle-of-the-road yeah. consensus position sure. for many people. And... They spent a lot of money sort of early defining candidates in a positive way. He helped recruit candidates mm -hmm. who are not cray-cray, which is an important part of, Always. of the process. And then they started an early vote initiative Yes, so that they could convince Republicans that, no, unlike the, the standard bearer for the party, uh, we do not believe in Virginia that this is corrupt and bad and you should actually bank mm. your vote so that we can do competent things with our money towards the end of the race instead of hoping 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 that you yeah. show up on election day 100 percent. i i actually not to get into who i voted for but i voted early already nice. because i thought to myself suppose something happened i was sick something happened with the car suppose i have to be somewhere and you just can't get to vic's vote is banked mine is not yeah. i gotta get out and, there. and i'm sure i made a huge difference in arlington i believe I... you did Vic. so many um, write-ins no it yeah. was it was interesting to be out on the trail with him his his family is originally from argentina he's he's a, a natural born citizen but his family came here from argentina he speaks fluent spanish yes, yes fluent spanish yes. and he, i'm a big fan i love what public yes. cigar so i was out with him in a sort of a strip mall touring yeah. the latino businesses and a, and a couple churches and just to see him engage with voters in a way that frankly not a lot of republican candidates usually can He's walking up to young no, Latino yeah. voters at bars going, That's hey, right. what's up? Let me let me speak to yeah. you in Spanish, in my beautiful Spanish. Yeah, it is beautiful Argentinian Spanish, yes. right? Yeah, okay. Yep. So that was interesting. I, I wrote about it for foxnews.com, so you can That's check that great. out. And that's next Tuesday, so it stay is. tuned. Big day. Oh, good I, luck to him. I should say there are about seven competitive Senate races. The, yeah. the Democrats hold the Senate right now with 22 of 40 seats. House Republicans hold the, or Republicans hold the House with 49 of 100, and there are seven competitive Senate races they need, Republicans need for, or Dems need for, to to We need to get keep an eye house. on Susanna Gibson. I, bet I don't you do. <laughs> I bet you do. I actually didn't mean it that way because, of course- She's as, the one who had the controversy, guys. Yes, I believe yes, we yes. Talked she was willing to perform one. for, for, for mm -hmm. money, tokens or something. Tokens? What do they call them? I forget you already. Know, that was familiar I, with the yeah, terminology. Yeah, the terminology, yeah. but yeah, so it wasn't actual currency because- you know, there's a whole thing going on and there's a coin exchange, currency exchange, if you will. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, she got sort of in trouble with that. And, and, and a lot of her fellow Democrats who had endorsed her now are silent about her. And she's running against, your, you know, this this businessman. And this is in, I, I want to say, Henrico or Goochland County. Yeah, I think it is Henrico area. Near County, Richmond. But that's going to be, a, that's a, that would be a big pickup. It'll, it'll be interesting because the Republicans are running on sort of they, they economic, economic opportunity, on jobs, on inflation, on yeah. on the idea of education yeah. and having yeah. power yeah. over your education and parental rights. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see whether those things yeah. carry them. And Youngkin's approval, by the way, which That's is right. 50 and sometimes 55 yeah. plus, it's 60 plus with independents. Wow. He is not being attacked by Democrats no. in these races. So okay. anyway, you know, he'd be a good general election candidate, but. We can't have nice things. Can we? <laughs> All right. It would be terrible. This uh, He knows the cycle's bad. So did you want to talk about COVID? A COVID update? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. Okay. Oh, man, guys. Oh, man. Do we have a now it can be told for you guys? Okay. Give it to Ready? us. Okay. So this is the headline in the New York Magazine piece. Yeah. Which, like, I appreciate that they printed this. How how stark is this? This is by Joe Nocera and Bethany McLean, who've written a book on the subject. COVID lockdowns were a giant experiment. It was a failure. 
Well, would you look at that? Yeah. Would you look at that? It starts out explaining how lockdowns originated in China. Yes. In Wuhan. Not to say it came from there. Originated there. And China, of course, always bragged, like, look, this is how we've gotten this under control. They were doing zero COVID. Of course, in China, you don't have things like liberty, you know, so that was easier for them. And then here at first, the reaction to lockdowns like in China was like, oh, that's horribly authoritarian. We would never do that. Mm -hmm. And then there was a shift. Yeah. And the shift meant that even though there was not a lot of science behind lockdowns, and it came from an authoritarian state in China, this idea, not that the idea totally originated there, but we were copying them, essentially. That became following the science. So, so quickly. So, so quickly. And, you know, as a result, many, many, many people suffered in very, very major ways that we have not yet begun to reckon with. And I think this this book they've written in this article is an attempt to begin to do that. Yeah. Charles Lehman at the Manhattan Institute, formerly of the Free Beacon, he's talked about these 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 deaths. Right. They're they're not they're not COVID deaths, but they're the result of the right. The shutdown. Despair deaths. Yes. Deaths of despair. Exactly. Yeah. And and one of the other things I thought was interesting was the description in that article. I think it was in that article about how we all know there's going to be an uptick in the winter in COVID because we're all together inside. Didn't they tell us to be inside? I mean, look, it it does blow my mind. And honestly, I wish I had been louder about it because I remember in the early days going, I don't think you can just tell people not to operate businesses or go to church. Like, that's not a thing. Yeah, to prevent you from religious assembly. And I'm thankful for- As a a health hazard, but I'm sure about that. Right. Like, I I did my own form of protesting this and talked about the schools. I wish I'd talked more about churches. That one- Yeah. That one is still blows my mind. There's like cops surveilling churches they to make were sure they're in California. not meeting. But, you know, we did this thing without this terrible thing that violates all of what America's mm-hmm. supposed to be about for very like no upside and tons of downside. Yeah. And there was and without a, and an unwillingness to actually question oneself on whether or not this is actually a fact. Right. Well, and they just they just kind of want to move on from it. They kind of want to move on from it. So there were two different philosophies when the Bush during the Bush years, Bush read the great influenza, which was about the 1918 uh, flu pandemic. And he started wondering, like, okay, well, what do we have? And they started putting together reports and task forces on this kind of thing. And one of the people in charge of that had a had a vision that basically was the opposite of lockdowns. There were some who advocated for social distancing and and lockdowns, but one guy in the administration who was part of this discussion said the worst thing that officials can do is overreact, which would create a panic. In 2006, as the debate inside the Bush administration reached his conclusion, he co-authored a paper, this guy Henderson, in a final effort to change the minds of those devising the strategy. The paper concluded, experience has shown that when faced with epidemics or other adverse events, uh, people respond best and with least anxiety when the normal social functioning of the community is least affected and political and public health leadership uh, provide reassurance to ensure that medical care services are provided and they have critical things available to them. Hmm. If Hmm. only there's an alternative universe where this happened and everything was fine. Well, this is the thing that's disturbing to me. And again, I think this is an attempt to reckon with it. And I appreciate that so that it does not happen Mm -hmm. again. Henderson also wrote, you have to be humble about what public health can actually do, especially over sustained periods society is complicated have you seen mary catherine the new ad to get your booster and flu shot from moderna uh, no i haven't seen that. Uh, yes yeah, so it's 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 a very corny ad that has really old people doing like amazing things and you know being uh, excellent at everything they do and it starts off by saying and you know so you'll want to get your flu shot and i'm like okay that makes mm. sense and well, then and then they say and while you're at it even though you can get two at the same time, might be an issue for some people. Get that COVID shot, you know, the new booster. You're like, we bought 20 million of these. Well, you're gonna, well that's exactly gotta do something I, with them. That's exactly, that's exactly what I said. Well, we got to sell them. Well, we got all these things we got to give out. And here's the thing. The kicker about the ad is the voiceover, the woman says, even though the pandemic is over. Okay, you just lost me right there. I'm just, I'm just hitting I, mute. Can I also just like read you yeah. a couple of, just this is a New York Times headline from October 25th. You guess the year. It's COVID season. 
What are the new rules for staying safe? Okay. A primer or primer yeah. on how to minimize your risk and know when you're in the clear after an exposure. You got to got a guess on the year for okay. that? Well, first of all, correction on the spot when I said about huddling inside because and that's how, you know, you get COVID and they told us it was from this article. It was I got I got confused, okay? I'm going to say 2021. That's incorrect. Oh, what is this it? is October 25th, 2023. Oh. oh, I see. The first line of this piece, we want to be done with COVID, COVID but the virus isn't, isn't done, done with, with us. us. <laughs> yeah, as soon as you saw oh, the first half of that sentence, you knew how it was going to end. The Why formulation. are we doing this? Okay, and then one more headline just to, okay. this is a bit of a now it can be told. And again, I know I'm going to get my banner for misinformation or like bad oh, public oh, health there's, messaging there's over few, here. There's a few questionable but, things on this episode. We should... We should be honest about these things. Yeah. COVID shots, this is the New York Times, may slightly raise stroke risk in the oldest recipients. A federal study, this is the, the government study, hinted at increased risk when the vaccine was given with the high-dose flu shot, but the research is far from conclusive. That's the important part, because mm -hmm. they don't want to create a panic when it comes to not getting fully vaxxed. A separate analysis by... The federal government's own agencies points to a small increase in the incidence of seizures after COVID vaccines in children ages two to five. Yeah. So, look, again, the emergency authorized this thing with good reason. We were in a pandemic. The faster we could get people mm -hmm. slightly more immune, yeah. the better. Right. It turned out it wasn't what it was. All it was cracked up yeah. to be. But no doubt added safety for many right. older people who were actually at risk. Sure. The problem was. There were a bunch of people who weren't really at risk, and who were help. already immune, right. particularly children yeah. who didn't have to have any part of this. Right. And it never should have been forced on anyone. Yeah, that right. was wrong that's right. and bad. But we I, were following yeah. the quote unquote science. Yeah. Right. Uh, be honest with people, y'all. Public health should be honest and humble. Are we going to get that anytime soon? No. I don't think we are. Okay. From anyone except Feel the show feeling great. All right. I did want to do an update from Maui. Okay. So you all will remember tragedy in West Maui. Many people died in a wildfire that got out of control. This is from Honolulu. All of West Maui. This is the AP. Except for burned out sections of historic Lahaina, Lahaina is that right? yeah. will reopen to tourism on November 1st. Following the deadliest U.S. wildfire in more than a century, the mayor of Maui County said Monday. Mayor Richard Bisson said he made the move after talking about it with his advisory team, the Red Cross, and other partners. West Maui has about 11,000 hotel rooms, or about half of Maui's total. Travelers evacuated those hotels after the August 8th fire raged through Lahaina Town, killing at least 99 people and destroying more than 2,000 buildings. This is important because tourism is the main industry there. And yep. in order for people to have jobs and prosperity and to regain and to rebuild, mm -hmm. people are encouraged to go and enjoy Maui. So, yeah, this is a, uh, it's great to hear that they're able to make progress and get back to, you know, you know, some semblance of, of a normal life after this horrific thing. But let us not not hold these people accountable, I should say. Right. Especially I think there's a lawsuit going on, obviously, but people should want to know why this happened, because this was entirely preventable in terms of how many people died. People were it was there was no easy way to get out of the area. And in fact, government assets may have been used to keep people in and mm -hmm. off of roads in some cases, which yeah. is horrifying. Yeah. yeah. A friend of mine is from Hawaii, and he told me that there are friends he knows, people he know, he knows who were there when the fire spread, and they were surrounded by it. And it's a, quite an amazing story, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing it. I'm not sharing any names. Yeah. But one of the guys, they were they were all stuck in a, in, in a building together in a, in a room, and the fire was coming. And the guy was like a limo driver, and he said, you know, in the car, there's all this booze. Let's just take it now because this this could be it. They just drink up. And they didn't. They sweated. It was like, you know, I mean, yeah. the temperature was ridiculous. And, and they drank fully expecting the worst to happen. Right. And the fire went around them, and, and, they, and they made it out. And they, they got completely wasted. But, you know, but they they because they thought this right. is it. We might as well, you know. Were these spirits blessed in some yeah, way? Yeah, no, I Were mean, they... really, it's quite an amazing. That's it, amazing. It, it's an amazing story. Yeah. And that's why you're always drinking spirits. Just you to never make know. sure in you case never know. something happens. You never that know. Again, you... I hope that's okay. I share that. but uh, No, that's in, amazing. In way, yeah. I'm so glad to yeah. hear that story yeah. of survival. I always like to hear those from these, yeah. even in tragic situations, yeah. that people can come out. Do you want to talk about this Beatles song? Yeah. Uh, do we have an hour? Okay. Uh, uh, okay. Let me, let me go think. Ahead. Here's the basics. Go ahead. Explain. Here's the basics. 
Uh, a new Beatles song featuring the complete Fab Four will be released Thursday, 45 years after John Lennon began writing it with the help of artificial intelligence. Titled Now and Then, it will deb debut on BBC Radio at 2 p.m. London time, 10 a.m. here, at the same time as its release on streaming platforms, including Spotify and Apple Music. The track will be available on CD and vinyl from Friday. A short film detailed the making of the last Beatles song, detailing the making of the last Beatles song, was published to the band's official YouTube channel Wednesday and has already gained more than 1.4 million views. This is based on a demo that Lennon recorded with piano and some vocals about two years before he was murdered in 1980. Does it ever occur to them that maybe he didn't release this because maybe it wasn't good? Okay, so my thought How is... How dare? No, well, this is what a I'm John saying. A John Lennon you know, song? I Yes. Not I, good? There are a few of Lennon's. They're just, you know, when when, when they split Unlike up... Unlike Paul, way, who's a bat yeah, a thousand. No, when they, when they split up, you know, Paul was corny... John was dark. You mix them together and you get brilliance, right? So if you listen to the lyrics and the music to like A Day in the Life or It's Getting Better All the Time, you can hear that in the darkness and the light. And it's funny and it's great. When they went their separate ways, that's when you get the silly love songs. Of unadulterated Paul silly and unadulterated and dark. And then, yes. Yeah. And then you get, and there's there's one particular song that John Lennon uh, wrote. It, it, it's like, it's, it's a woman is the N word of the world. Okay. That's just, you're, 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 you know, this is it, you know, that you're getting down there. So I haven't heard the song. Let me mm -hmm. just say this. I haven't heard the song. I remember being excited when the Beatles anthology came out right. some time ago because they said they did the same thing. There were some tracks from, you know, that right. from John Lennon. Right. And they released two of the, the two songs where then they combined because George Harrison was still alive and they added to it. They sucked. The song sucked. They, they were they were not good. So and the idea that George Harrison's gone too. So I don't know what they did. See, they, they, they threw in a sample of the guitar. You know, no, I apparently know what... there is some George available for this. I don't. Okay. But also, I, the AI. I don't I'm, like that. I know. I'm just, it's not. It's wrong. I'm a little uncomfortable. I don't want AI. To I don't be, want AI to, be to trained... predict what is your Beatles song going to sound like. Well, and also, come on, man. Do we want AI to be trained to be John Lennon? No. And if we do, yeah. I like it to be trained to be early John. Early Lennon, John, not Lennon. late John Lennon. Right. Right. I prefer. Right. I prefer yeah. cheeky early 1960s. Yeah. Yeah. And he had that great scratch in his yes. voice. Yes. Uh, um, and he wasn't like, you know, laying in bed doing peace protests or what have you. Uh, can, I, can I tell you the last great Beatles song? What's that? It was from the musical Hamilton by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And it was a song that for King George III, mm -hmm. yeah, You'll Be Back, that yep. one. That's the that's it? Yes, that's it. Because he was interviewed about this and he was thinking, and, and Lin-Manuel Miranda says he was thinking British invasion, mm -hmm. British invasion rock. Yeah. And it is a total homage and it's not, and it's, it, it doesn't come off as, as, as you know, as embarrassing. It's, it, it is really homage to the Beatles and there's all these little bits of that yes. song that are hints of like a day in the life and Penny Lane. It's, it's great. Just yeah, check that, that out. Lin-Manuel Miranda is a talented uh, dude. I'd tell do? you what. So what this are you going to say? McCartney there, says we were able to take John's voice and get it pure through this AI so that when we, so that then we could mix the record as you would normally do. It gives you some sort of leeway. I don't know if I like it. I'll Paul. tell you what. I don't next, know if I like next, it. Next episode of Getting Hammered, I will have by then listened to the song and I'll render my final okay. verdict. Okay. Harrison died in 2001 and will, who, by the way, my favorite Beatle, George. And I know an underdog. A underdog no, pick, no, he's great. No, but he's great. I love George. And he will feature in rhythm guitar sections that were recorded in 1995. So. It's questionable. Question. Well, the best thing so about the best thing about, you know George is always the really the most wonderfully spirit most positively spiritual of the Beatles and constantly talking about I want to see your face where he's why that's all his whole thing is his obsession was like trying to wanting to see God's face and yep. knowing it's going to be a long time I'd like to think that he George. is George oh that's so nice. yeah. you know I've always loved George since I saw Hard Day's Night when I was like seven yeah, sure. years old I thought he was the fantastic youngest. and funny. Ringo Starr, though, in Let It Be. Did you watch yeah, the whole yeah. Let It Be all this? Yes. Like, Ringo, what is it, six hours? Yes. I watched all of it when I was Get like, back. Yeah, when, right after yeah. my toddler was born. I watched uh -huh. all of it's that. fantastic. And Ringo stood out to me because I hadn't really appreciated before that Ringo Starr is a man who just wasn't no trouble. He comes he to He wasn't work. no trouble to anyone. He comes to, to anyone. There's no drama. Do you remember when like George went mysteriously missing? Yes. Because nobody would give him and the Ringo's respect. And Ringo's like... I mean, I'm here to play drums whenever you guys are ready. John, like John's on heroin. They're sitting around that that group circle, and Yoko is part of the eating yes. a sandwich. Everyone's uncomfortable except for Ringo. Yeah. He's like, I'm fine. Yeah, 
Just let, let me know when you need drums. Okay. Workmanlike. So let, right, let, we, we're we closing out. We, we have, we, go, we can get through this. Okay. We're, clo- we're doing it. We're All doing right, it. We we're closing out with a viral list of restaurants yeah. that someone on the internet inadvertently became, I mean, like it went crazy. Yes. Someone on the internet says you can't go to these on a first okay. date. That the lady, you, a lady should say no to these options okay. if taken on the first date. What let are me, some of them? Let me just list a couple. There's some I've never heard of. But. Applebee's, Chili's, Olive Garden, IHOP, Denny's, IHOP, come on, Mary Catherine, Denny's, Buffalo Wild Wings, Wingstop, Red Lobster, and the Cheesecake Factory. And I would like to say also that Waffle House and sporting events were on this list as yes. well. There are 28 places you're not supposed to take someone on a if first date. a guy you have never been on a date with took you to Waffle House mm-hmm. on your first date, on your first date, or a sporting event, how would you feel? I would be fine with that. I would mm-hmm. feel like someone did some research and knew that I like both those things. I mentioned on my little note cheat sheet <laughs> here uh, that it really depends on how well you know the person going into yes. it. I also think for a first date, low key is fine. Like, why are we going? Why do we need to be taken somewhere very fancy for a first date? Okay, I wouldn't say necessarily fancy, right? But I would think that if it's a first date, you want to get to know the person. Mm-hmm. If you're watching a game, you can't really talk to the person. Yeah, that's about trickier. That's sort true. Of a thing. If you are at a movie, also equally awkward because, you know, you're watching a movie and then if the person talks through a movie, you don't want to be with that person. No, I've never been movie on a date person. Okay, right. Uh, right. I, just because I think with, you want to be talking. Part- well, particularly a first date and, you know, you go on a date to the movie, there's pressure for you to put the moves on, but you hardly you don't even know her, you know? And, and, if, and if, how's he going to withstand that pressure, Yeah, guys? what is this, Lauren Boebert? Come on. Society's... <laughs> Society has taught him. So, yes, that, that's right. So, I mean, that's the way I was trained. So I'd say get to know, you know, would it be too much? Would it mm-hmm. be too much if on a first date uh, the, the guy said, uh, hey, let, you want to meet for sushi? Is that too much? Is that too sensual? Is it too suggestive? <laughs> is it too suggestive? Like Jennifer, I'm just saying. It's I just, fine. Right? Is it too? Am I overplaying my hand? Like going Perhaps. to a place where the music, the, the vibe, it's like a little bit too over the top. A little no, too like suggestive. I just, think, I just think you want us like a solid... To place. get to know, you know what? Second date would be great. Cheesecake Factory, Waffle House, any places as a test. Like, is she going to turn her nose? Well, no. I right? I think if or you roll, if you him. roll up at the Cheesecake Factory, yeah. Which, by the way, is where the Real Housewives of Atlanta used to go eat all the time. Okay, <laughs> so it can't be that yes. chintzy, right? Yeah, come on. Look, if you go to Cheesecake Factory, and your girl bolts, mm-hmm. get a different girl. This is, I just That's think right. it's. I just think it's Plus, a bad there are scene. So many different selections on the Cheesecake Factory and Skinny Licious menu. Could you? How miss? could you miss? Come on, that's not. You're not going to be forced. You don't have to get the meatloaf, the factory meatloaf. Okay? I'm, I'm scanning this list to see if there's anything okay. else I strenuously object to. Uh, okay. I, I, okay, go ahead. Okay, you were going to say something about the list. No, you go. Okay, and then I got it. First, uh, first date with Steve. Where? Oh, we went to actually a place that we have never been back to. It was like an H Street Corridor bar. Oh, okay. Yeah. And was it like getting to like, had you known him, met him before? I had met him once before at a cookout. And this was the first time. And this was the first time we were getting together, the two of us. Yeah. But it's like a, I forget what it's called, but it's called a, it's like a Belgian place. So it has. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It has food and good Belgian beers. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. We should go back there. Yeah. There you go. I wonder if it still exists post-COVID. I haven't looked it up. Uh, I went with Kate when we were officially, our official first date. So, you know, I, we'd, I'd known her for years, but official first date to Nanny O'Brien's The Irish Pub because mm-hmm. we used to hang out there a lot back in the day. But this time it was just the two of us. Uh, and I wanted her to know that I was open and accepting of her people. <laughs> this is why we went there. Okay. That's smart. Okay. Smart. That's it. That's all I, I like know. it. I like yeah, it. Yeah. And I, apparently that first date was successful. So, oh, here there you, you are go. Now. Yes, that's right. See? Okay. Just go to a Belgian beer place. Or a Irish pub, and that's, you're covered. That's all you need. Low rent dating. Do we have anything with else? Vic and MK. That's it. <laughs> Again, you know, you can the 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 the, the bang bang shrimp. That would be too suggestive at you. Yes, that one's a problem. Okay, all right, never mind. Okay, anything else on this? We could. I do you agree have with. Please. I do agree with. No, I think she. I no think mixed family. my mixed Pez, I agree more than I disagree with her. Okay. That's uh, the person's name, right? I think it's. Her. I agree with somewhere that requires a long drive is not a great idea and family functions. Yeah. Oh, no. A Those family are not function first date is, events. Well, that's creepy because it's like, I am going to marry you, yes. you yeah. know. 
I don't know who you are, but I'm marrying the next person. It's you. That's exactly what okay. it's like. Okay. Can I just give a quick call out again to our friends at Performance Kitchen? Food is medicine because we're getting medically tailored meals designed by doctors, registered dietitians to combat chronic diseases, including my own anti-inflammatory. Go to performancekitchen.com. Find out if your insurance provider covers for the meal. If they qualify, order online. They deliver to your door. I just want to say my father, who's been visiting, he tried one of the meals. He loved it. Nice. So not only does it get the endorsement of David Ortiz, Big Pappy, but also Dr. Mattis. See, this, we're keeping him pre-diabetic so he can keep doing t- taste tests on Getting Hammered. There you go. That wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. Follow the show oh, at- com, sorry. Follow the show at Getting Hammered Podcast on Instagram or YouTube. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter and at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. And I have a piece on foxnews.com about the Virginia election. So check that out. Thanks for getting hammered responsibly. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. Okay.